Good morning. So today's reading is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. So that's 1 John, chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Well, do keep that passage open. What is the greatest mark of the Christian faith? What distinguishes the Christian church from the rest of the world? Is it the great architectural beauty of the world's churches? Is it the rich music that churches produce? Is it the eloquence of preaching? Is it even the charitable work that churches fulfil? Well, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 13 34 and 35. The great distinguishing mark of the Christian church should be that we love one another. And so the fourth part of our mission statement is 
that we are friends who love. The Apostle John heard Jesus say this and made it a major theme of his first letter. Chapter 2, verse 10. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Whereas the darkness has blinded anyone who hates. Chapter 3, verse 14. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And now today, here in chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Where does love come from? Who loves like this? Where do we find this kind of love? Firstly then, where does love come from? Verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. We had a family round for tea a few years ago. They were a local family and they showed an interest in coming to church. The father of the family came from a non-conformist church background and as a child he'd been made to learn a Bible verse and recite it at the front in the morning service. His favourite verse to recite, therefore, was part of verse 16, God is love. It was short. It was sweet. Everybody likes to think this. Much more attractive, seemingly, than the Bible's teaching that God judges sin. So although my friend was probably not a Christian, he had stumbled on a truth. God is love. The problem is, however, we cannot love as the Bible demands. Human beings can show great acts of love and charity, but we're also capable of great acts of hatred. We're also capable of great acts of selfishness. Love comes from God. Left to our own devices, we'll end up managing not to love. We will always infect our love with selfishness. True love, pure love, comes from God. Young adults have become a scapegoat for problems in society. What seems to be lost in this conversation is the effect this is having on many millennials' mental health and self-confidence. A new survey consisting of 2,000 millennials, aged 22 to 38, has revealed some troubling statistics regarding how young adults see themselves. 80% believe they are not good enough in virtually all areas of their lives. 75% admit they constantly feel overwhelmed by pressure to succeed in their careers, in finding a meaningful romantic relationship, meeting others' expectations and maintaining a presence on social media. In all, 80% say 
these worries have negatively impacted their sleep and admit their overall mental health has suffered. So where is all this pressure coming from? 25% say their number one source of pressure is their parents, followed by 20% who cite social media. And 17% say their peers and friends cause them the most pressure. A lot of pressure comes directly from within them, with about 50% saying they routinely place an unfair amount of pressure on themselves to succeed. There is such a thing as putting unfair, unrealistic expectations on oneself, and that is true. But it is also true that we will never be good enough in and of ourselves, and we will always feel this. That's why it's wonderful to know love comes from God. Whatever we're going through, whatever our struggles, whatever we feel about ourselves, we don't have to generate perfect love. It comes from God. We simply receive it from God. Secondly then, who loves like this? Verse 7 continues. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Who loves like this? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. There's a tension in preaching between preaching to build up the long-standing Christians and preaching for the sake of the visitor or the outsider. To the long-standing Christian, the preacher wants to teach spiritual meat, in-depth doctrinal preaching. To the visitor or the outsider, one needs to provide spiritual milk, simple teaching that the new Christian can take on board. But here in 1 John 4, 7, the two types of preaching come together. To the long-standing Christian, one is able to say, love like God. That ought to be enough of a challenge for anyone. And to the visitor, to the outsider, one is able to say, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Loving like God is not just a case of being nice, being pleasant, being kind. These are important virtues. But loving like God is utterly impossible in and of ourselves. Loving like God can only be done when we're filled with God's Spirit and God is working through us. So I say to the long-standing Christian, are you loving like God? And to the visitor, have you been born of God? Do you know God? 
Maybe I also need to ask the long-standing churchgoer. Have you been born of God? Do you know God? Yes, you sit in church week after week. But have you been born of God? John is remembering here how Jesus said to Nicodemus, the expert in biblical studies, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. John 3. Jesus is saying, and John is now saying, that if we want to live lives that, like God loves, we must be born of God. In other words, the life of God must be born in us. Yes, we have spiritual life, but until we are born again, or born of God, or born of the Spirit, there is no spiritual life in us. We are spiritually dead until we are born of God. And we cannot hope to love as God loves until we have this experience. We'll always be like the discouraged millennials. We'll always be aware of our failure to love. We will always see our imperfections. But when we are born of God, we do indeed love. Not perfectly. No one is perfect this side of heaven. But we do love. We do love God. We do love others. Verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. If we can see what failures we are to love as God loves, well, is that because we do not know God? God wants to come to us and be born in us. God wants to put his life, his spirit within us so that we are born again as new people. And when we are born again, we discover what love is. I want to know what love is, is a power ballad by the British-American rock band Foreigner. Famously, the chorus says, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. But romantic love so often fails us, Jesus says, John says. We know what love is when we know God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Thirdly, where do we find this kind of love? Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. 
Here's the Bible's definition of love. Love is not just a feeling. Love is action. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, created a perfect world for us. But knowing that we would sin and that we would ruin things through human selfishness, through sin, breaking God's law. The Holy Trinity created the world knowing we would do that and knowing that it would require the Son of God, Jesus, being sent into the world to pay for our sin on the cross. The Trinity knew this and because of their great love for us, they created the world anyway. And the Father sent his one and only precious Son into the world to die for us. This is how God showed his love among us. Verse 10, this is love. Here is the definition of love. Not a fleeting feeling. This is love. Not that we loved God, no. We didn't love God. We don't love God in and of ourselves. Left to our own devices, we're profoundly selfish. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The old word for atoning sacrifice is propitiation. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. To propitiate God means to satisfy God's anger. God is love, but God is just. God is righteously angry for human sin. In his justice, God must punish sin. He can't just sweep it under the carpet as we would do. God must be righteously angry with sin because he is holy and just. But amazingly, instead of just spending his anger on us, the guilty ones, God loves us. And God sends his one and only Son into the world to be the propitiation for our sin, to satisfy the righteous anger of God. When Jesus dies on the cross, all of our sin is loaded onto him and God is righteously angry with our sin. And instead of sending us to hell, to pay for our own sin, Jesus dies in our place simply because he loves us. 
taking the punishment for our sin so we may be forgiven and God can still be just. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So where do we find this kind of love? We find it in Jesus. Verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now this is serious love. This is not mere feelings. This is sacrificial love. Love is sacrifice. Love is Jesus going to the cross. We also ought to love one another. Where are we struggling to love one another? Look at how Jesus has loved us. We'll never love perfectly like Jesus until we get to heaven and we're free from sin. But we can begin to love like Jesus. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And that brings us to the fourth part of our mission statement. We're to be friends who love. Not just a social club who share the same interests, but rather a group of people who've experienced the reality of Jesus' love. Who know the love of the Father in our lives. And who are beginning to live out this same love. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. All of this is not achieved through human strength. No. Verse 13. God has given us of his spirit. God has put his Holy Spirit in every believer in Jesus so that we can begin to love like Jesus. We can testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. We can speak of these things. We can know them to be true in our experience. God lives in us and we live in God. The love of God flows through us. Verse 16, we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. The love of God works in us and through us. There is a supernatural love in the church. It's a love you will not find anywhere else. It's the very love of God. Verse 17, in this world, we're like Jesus. At our best, Christians love like Jesus. It casts out all fear, because fear has to do with punishment. Verse 18, 
The Christian has no fear of punishment, no fear of hell. Jesus has loved us out of that kind of fear. We love, verse 19, because he first loved us. We've been loved and therefore we love. Whoever claims to love God, verse 20, yet hates a brother or sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. If you do not love your fellow Christians, you cannot love God. If you're not a friend who loves, if you're not a friend who loves, then you're probably not a Christian. Verse 21. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. God equips us to love with his own Holy Spirit. And God commands us to love by the same Holy Spirit. So are we loving one another? Are we excluding anyone from our love? Have we known the personal love of God for us? Have we turned from our sin and made Jesus King of our life? Have we trusted in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And therefore, are we friends who love one another?